You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. Atheism is not a natural conclusion. You don't come to the conclusion that there is no God naturally. See, the denial of God is not a matter of logic, but a matter of rebellion. I'm going to say it again. It's not a matter of logic, but a matter of rebellion. See, it actually takes more faith to believe that there is no God than it takes to believe that there is one. To deny the existence of God is a matter of rebellion. Coming to the conclusion that God doesn't exist simply doesn't make sense once you begin to consider the complexity of creation, from the inner workings of all living organisms to the endless expanse of space, there's just too much going on for a reality without God to be even possible. In today's message, Pastor Dion tackles the question, does God exist? In doing so, he hopes to help you better understand why Christians believe what we believe. Now let's join Pastor Dion in the book of Ephesians chapter 2. As he begins his message, Does God Exist? Let's open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Ancestry.com has a commercial on television, maybe you've seen it, about people who thought they were a particular ethnicity, but once they followed their family tree, they were totally surprised and shocked, you know, that they weren't who they thought they were. Kind of like the woman who thought she was Hispanic and turned out to be she was Italian, you know, and she got her test back. Or the guy who his whole life thought he was German and found out he was Irish. Oh, snap! Everybody said out loud, what? Oh, snap! But, but, but let me say this. You too might not have the DNA that you think you have. Hmm? You know, and you're saying, orale, rasa to the bone right here. But you are also something else to the bone, all right? Last time in our foundation study, we followed our family tree and found out that we are a part of the Adams family. That's what we found out. You know, they're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They're all together, ooky, the Adams family, right? And no, no, we're not talking about that Adams family, right? We're not descendants of Gomez and Marticia and Uncle Fester or Lurch. But we are monsters nonetheless. We found that out last week. See, we are descendants of Adam and Eve who defiantly rebelled and disobeyed God. And because of them, sin and death infected God's entire creation. Because of them, all are born sinners. Everybody said, who? All. Look at your neighbor. He's talking about you right now. Every single person. Because of their defiant rebellion, because of them, is born in sin. Is born a sinner. It's called original sin. 
And because of that sin, every single person born with sin is separated from God. There is none righteous, no, not one. And that's why the Bible says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And there is none righteous, no, not one. So we found that out because of them, because of Adam and Eve and our family tree and the DNA in us from them. We are all sinners. We're all separated from God. See, because of Adam and Eve's sin, we're all born now by default into the devil's family. In fact, here's how Jesus said it in John chapter 8 and verse 44. Jesus said, you are of your father the devil and the desires of your father you want to do. So even though we're born and we think, well, I'm good, ha, 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 we are truly not. We are rotten to the core. Not because of our own sin, but because of Adam and Eve's sin. And because it's passed down in our original sin. And because of that, we all now belong to the devil. We're born as children of the devil. So, see, we're not born good and then become depraved. Alright? That's not what happens. We are born sinners and depravity is the natural result. Right? Look at your neighbor and say, living la vida loca. Look at him and tell him that. Alright? Listen. We sin because we're sinners. We're not sinners because we sin. You guys get that, right? It's a natural result. We're born sinners, so we sin. And that's why we automatically gravitate to la vida loca. Because we're sinners by nature. Now, some people might not be as loco as others, but we are locos nonetheless, right? So anyone who told you to be yourself couldn't have given you worse advice. And because of that nature of sin, because we are sinners by nature and, and by choice and by practice, because of that we are condemned. Everybody say the word, we're what? Condemned. We're deserving of God's wrath, deserving of God's anger, deserving of God's eternal judgment. And we are in fact without hope and without God. Born that way. Because of sin. In fact, the Apostle Paul explained it like this in Ephesians chapter 2 when he said, You were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also, we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And everybody out loud? And were by nature children of wrath just as others. You were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. Everybody out loud? Having no hope and without God in the world. That was our human condition. That is every human's condition. I mean, we're sinners by nature, sinners by choice, and then sinners by practice. Everyone born is born with this incurable disease of sin. And we're all deserving it. Because of it, we're all deserving of eternal judgment, or what we call hell. Everybody say it out loud. Hell! And we talked about that last week. Now, this is the bad news of the human condition. That is some bad news. But 
there is some good news. And there is this good news is, everybody said out loud, but God. So listen, we are sinners by nature, sinners by choice, sinners by practice, separated from God, deserving of God's judgment, without hope, without God. That's our condition. But God. What? But God. In fact, that's the good news. In fact, let's read the rest of that Scripture passage that we started in Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2.4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. I love it, right? That was our human condition. Sinners by nature, sinners by choice, sinners by practice, deserving of God's judgment. But God loved us even when we were dead in our sins and He offers us life. Now, while that sounds awesome, it begs the question, who or what is God? And how can we be certain that this God that supposedly loves us and has offered salvation to us How can we know for certain that He really exists and is not just a fable like Santa Claus or the Tooth Fairy or like a legend that somebody else came up with? How do we know for in fact that He truly is real? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Let's start with the natural evidence. Alright? There is the argument of cosmology. Or other ways stated, the wonders of God's creation. So the first evidence of God that He really exists is the wonders of His creation. See, you cannot look at the vastness and the complexities of creation and not be convinced that there's a God. You can't look at all of the vastness of space and the complexities of the human body and not be convinced that there's a God. Look, Astronomy, botany, zoology, anatomy, biology, they all proclaim and testify of the existence of God, of the existence of a divine creator. In fact, David in Psalms 19 verse 1 said this, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display His craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night, they make Him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all of the world. Alright? So cosmology, it is a loud voice that lets us know of the evidence that there is a divine Creator, that there is a God. In fact, Moses, when he was writing the Bible, the first five books of Moses, Moses describes some things like quantum physics, greenhouse science, the genetic code, and the DNA limitations. He described all of that centuries before those theories were ever discovered. You know where he got them from? He told us he got them from God. Exactly right. But if your antenna still doesn't pick up all the channels and you still don't, I don't don't get it. Maybe you're a little like Sam Cooke, you know, who sings that classic song. 
Don't know much about history. Don't know much about biology. Don't know much about algebra. Can't even spell Canada. Right? If you're kind of, if you're kind of like that, God gives us another evidence, another argument about his, that he is God, that he exists. And that is the argument of ontology. We, it's also known as the word conscience. Again, conscience. Conscience. Solomon described it as eternity in men's hearts. Ecclesiastes is where Solomon actually penned this. In Ecclesiastes 3.11 it says, God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. So listen, even if you can look at all the vastness and the complexities of creation and biology and cosmology, and you, you can see it all, but, and you still are not quite convinced, understand that God also put in every single person a conscience. He has planted eternity in the human heart. In everyone, there is a compass that points north, a gravitational pull to know their creator in every single person. Much like a child that never knew their father. At one point, when that child gets old enough, he has an innate desire to know his father, to connect with him. It doesn't matter if the mom told him, no, he's a loser, he's a jerk, he's a deadbeat, he left you know, before you were born. That child will still be compelled to know his father will look and will search and will seek. That is planted on the inside of every single one of us to know and to seek and to look for our Creator. God planted it in there. That's the similar software that's in all of us. That's why even in the most remote areas of the world where they have no Bible or the Gospel message hasn't been preached, people worshipped the Great Spirit the great power. They worship the sun and the moon and the stars and Mother Earth. These people logically and consciously recognize that there is someone bigger than themselves. They recognize without any other testimony other than the creation and their own conscience, they, they, they come to this fact that there must be someone bigger. Because God planted it in there. You see, atheism is not a natural conclusion. You don't come to the conclusion that there is no God naturally. See, the denial of God is not a matter of logic, but a matter of rebellion. I'm going to say it again. It's not a matter of logic, but a matter of rebellion. See, it actually takes more faith to believe that there is no God than it takes to believe that there is one. And God has a word for those atheists. He calls them fools. Fools. He said, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. In fact, God even gave them a holiday just for them. It's April 1st. You know what I'm saying? All those atheists. Paul explained atheism in detail like this. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. It starts there. He said, But God shows His anger from heaven against all sinful, evil men 
who push away the truth from them. For the truth about the invisible God is known to them instinctively. God has put His knowledge in their hearts. Since earliest times, men have seen the earth and the sky and all God made and have known of His existence and great eternal power so that they will have no excuse when they stand before God at Judgment Day. Yes, they knew about Him all right, but they wouldn't admit it or worship Him or even thank Him for all of His daily care. And after a while, they began to think up silly ideas of what God was like and what He wanted them to do. The result was that their foolish minds became dark and confused. Claiming themselves to be wise without God, they became utter fools instead. And then instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they took wood and stone and made idols for themselves, carving them to look like mere birds and animals and snakes and puny men. Wow. That is atheism. The fact that they have all the evidence, and yet they refuse, they rebel against the truth. Not a matter of logic, again, a matter of rebellion. Understand, while God can't, can't be seen and is invisible, God can be known. Everybody said out loud, what? No. Guys, God doesn't want to be unknown. God doesn't want to be mysterious. God doesn't want to be obscure. He doesn't want to be unclear. So God has revealed Himself. Number one, through creation. Number two, through conscience. And then He's also revealed this to Himself to us through the Bible. See, the Bible is God's autobiography. I'm going to say it again. The Bible is God's autobiography. A person is only truly known with self-disclosure. See, when you meet someone, you know them as they open themselves up, as they share about themselves, their likes, their dislikes, their aspirations. That's how you begin to know a person. You know, as they begin to open themselves up and share disclosure. That's how you begin to know them. Well, the Bible is God's autobiography. It's the disclosure of Himself. He's disclosing Himself to us. He wants us to know Him so that we won't be deceived, so that we won't be confused, or that we won't be mistaken about Him. Because listen, art, movies, and religion have painted a very different picture of God. The French philosopher Voltaire said, God made man in his image, and man returned the favor. In other words, and man has made images of God. He's been making God in his image. Like in the movie The Shack, it's underneath the banner of Christian films. <laughs> but if you watch the movie, the producers portrayed God as a middle-aged black woman. Right? Somebody said, what? Or how about in Bruce Almighty, Morgan Freeman portrays a weak, overwhelmed God that is fed up with criticism. You do it if you think you can do a better job. 
Like, you know, God is just overwhelmed and it's just a whole lot to do. And, and let's see, you know, let's see if you can do a better job. Is that God? The Muslim version of God, Allah, is described as capricious, meaning that he is moody and inconsistent. How would you like for God to be moody? Huh? It also describes him as a dictator who is prejudiced and chauvinistic. The Mormon version of God is a man who came from another planet, has flesh and bones, is married to multiple wives, and has conceived many gods like Jesus and Lucifer, who to the Mormons are brothers. The Buddhist version of God is an ascended master, like Kung Fu. As quickly as you can, snatch the pebbles from my hand. Huh? Do you see why foundational teachings are so important to the Christian faith? Without them, we can fall far away from the truth. And that mistake could prove fatal eternally. God's Word, the Holy Bible, is God's disclosure of Himself so that we won't be confused, so that we won't be mistaken, so that we won't be deceived. And if you're asking, well, how do we know that the Bible is reliable, inerrant, and authoritative? How do we know? That, I mean, it was written by men, wasn't it? I mean, how do we know that that's, that's the Word of God? Well, stay tuned because we're going to cover that topic in Foundations as well. And I won't leave you there, okay? But in the Bible, God describes His nature, His character, and His attributes. It says, God is spirit. God is love. God is perfect. God is holy. God is eternal. God is transcendent. God is immutable, means He never changes. God is eminent, meaning that He's close by. God is omnipotent, meaning that He is all-powerful. God is omniscient, meaning that He is all-knowing. The Bible gives us clear identification because it's God's autobiography, His disclosure, telling us exactly who He is and what He's like. He describes His nature and His attributes and His character. But God wants us to know more than just the facts about Him. See, the things that we read, the things that we pick up here, are just facts. God wants us to know more than that because God is also, what? Personal. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is transcendent above all. He is never-changing. He is all of those things. And the facts of those things are really cool. But God says, I don't want you to just know a bunch of facts about me. I want you to know me. Thank you for joining us here as Pastor Dion Cordova has brought you The Simple Truth. In this series, Pastor Dion has been exploring the foundations of the Christian faith. What is it that makes us who we are? What separates us from the rest of the world? Jesus made it pretty clear when he was talking to his disciples in John 13, 35, saying, By this all people will know that you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. <laughs> that might be a foundational truth, but it's not an easy one. 
Consider the disciples. They all came from different walks of life. Jesus brought together a zealot and a tax collector who were quite simply enemies. Then he told them to love each other. What does that look like in your life? Do you know that love is to be your defining characteristic? That means wherever you are, whatever church you walk into, no matter if they look differently or do things differently, love is what you're called to do. If you're looking for a community dedicated to that principle, come and see us. The Simple Truth is a ministry out of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel in Española, New Mexico. We have services Sunday mornings at 9 or 11. And if you'd like to jump into a Bible study with us midweek, come by this Wednesday evening at 7. We'd love to have you. All this information and more can be found at tmcalvary.com. Once again, that's tmcalvary.com. Head on over there now and check it out. We're at the end of our time today, but we hope to see you again when we come back with The Simple Truth. Let us join our hands and together we stand. Together we stand.